You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 95.7 The Game's John Dickinson has been with the Warriors every day throughout the championship era. The Warriors start to celebrate. The one-time darlings are now a dynasty. And now he brings you the latest scoops on the back-to-back champs. He's looking good to go. And exclusive player interviews. What's up, Dub Nation? It's your boy, Stephen Curry. This is Warriors Weekly on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, John Dickinson. And we welcome you in Warriors Weekly Podcast for 95.7 The Game. Don Dickinson with you as always. And it's a pleasure, a second go-around, to be joined by Daryl the Guru Johnson. Of course, you hear Guru uh, on with Matt Steinmetz, 10 a.m. until noon on 95.7 The Game and on Warriors Live pregame and Warriors wrap-up postgame following each and every Warriors game throughout the playoffs. And, uh, Goo, appreciate the time here. A second go-round, and, boy, we got a lot to discuss with uh, things changing for the Golden State Warriors. It it looked like maybe they were headed to Milwaukee, uh, and now it's looking like maybe they're headed to north of the border, as in O-Canada, with uh, an unreal performance these last couple of games by the Raptors, and in particular, uh, a hobbled Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, J.D., uh, first off, I'm flattered for this to be the second go-round. I appreciate the invite, and we are getting to the nitty-gritty, and you are correct. I got to tell you, J.D., for so much of this season, rightfully so, and the playoffs, all we heard about was Giannis, Giannis, Giannis. But as you know, he didn't have any playoff pedigree and to me I kind of ignored that and what we're watching the other Giannis to me and Kawhi Leonard uh, NBA champion in the past kind of do it on one leg or whatever's going on JD you know I'm looking at the matchup for the Warriors and Kawhi Leonard looks hobbled but yet he's getting it done and if they move on they're one win away that's going to be a formidable task for the Golden State Warriors. So either way you look at it, it's either Giannis or Kawhi. But now Kawhi, like my season salt, you know, he's been there. And I'm a little nervous, you know, looking at it through the Warrior prism. Yeah, and when you have as much time as the Warriors are going to have until the finals tip off, and it's going to be nine days when it's all said and done because the Warriors were able to sweep their way through the Blazers, and we'll get into that here at some point as well. But, but Goo, when you look at, uh, you know, I, I thought and I still think that top to bottom Milwaukee it would be the tougher opponent between the Bucks and the Raptors for the Warriors, especially uh, if you don't have Kevin Durant in the mix for the first couple of games, or, or let's say maybe even for half of this series, depending upon how long it goes. But uh, I, I think you bring up a great point. It does start with Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard is just in a different place in his career than Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, Giannis is not uh, maybe ready. You know, mm. and all year we, we've had that conversation about the Bucks. Are they ready? You know, is Eric Bledsoe really ready to be among the best players on a team going to the finals? Chris Middleton, is he ready? But, but even Giannis at, at 24 years old, 
is he ready to lead a team to an NBA Finals and to a championship? And all year I've been just a little reluctant to say it, although I think the combination of him with the other players that the Bucks have – I'm watching these games, Goo, and I'm going back and forth, and I'm thinking, gosh, what's the tougher? <laughs> and maybe you just have to start with the star power, and if Kawhi Leonard is healthy enough, that alone almost gives the Raptors an edge. But as I go through player by player, I still think the Warriors have more that they can exploit against the Raptors than they do against the Bucks. I'll, I'll detail in a minute, but I want to let you jump in to the conversation on just right there on that point. Yeah, it's amazing. And I feel like, J.D., everybody watches that game, you know, having those same thoughts. And in one quarter, I'm like, okay, Toronto's the better matchup for the Warriors. Then the next quarter, I'm like, it's the Bucks. But to me, I look at the guard matchup, you know, with Steph and Clay. If it were the Toronto Raptors, and I'm like, okay, it's Operation Kawhi. Then after Kawhi, you got Gasol, who could take Bogut, or if DeMarcus Cousins comes back, you know, he would be out on the perimeter, or Looney. And then I'm looking at who could you throw it at Kawhi Leonard along with Giannis, and then I think of Yurebko, I think, of, you know, obviously not to start, Iguodala, McKinney. And the Warriors have so many guys or bodies, I believe they could throw at the two superstars on each team. And then when I get to guys like Siakam, I, 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 the, he scares me because it's tough for him right now. And I believe, you know, honest to God, J.D., I believe the Bucks, the Raptors to the Bucks are what the Bucks are to the Raptors. They kind of, they're difficult for each other. But if they were to play the Warriors, I believe the role players, you know, guys like um, – Lopez that can stretch the floor. Brogdon, I, I think I could see him or envision him giving the Warriors some trouble because of a lot of the focus would be on Giannis. And then when I look at Siakam, as I mentioned, and, you, you know, the other guys for, for Toronto, I'm like, okay, the focus is on Kawhi. And then I could see those guys giving them trouble. And now Van Fleet looks like he's, you know, he's found his footing. So I say all that to say is, as crazy as this sounds, you let me know. These two teams kind of mirror each other. And to me, I feel like it's give and take to where both teams, you know, pose some problems to the Warriors as the Warriors do, you know, each of the two teams. Yeah, I, I just look at uh, Siakam and Siakam's terrific. Uh, you know, Kyle Lowry, do you, do you trust him against the Warriors? I mean, when's the last time he made a winning play? against the Golden State Warriors these last couple of years. In fact, not only has he not necessarily made winning plays, but he's made some losing plays mm. against the Warriors down the stretch in some games. Danny Green is somebody that I think you would you would trust, but he's been, for the most part, awful in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Van Vliet, uh, a huge Game 5, and, and basically making up for Danny Green's absence and, and lack of productivity uh, by knocking down a bunch of three-pointers and, and helping Toronto win. I, I guess what I'm getting at, Goo, is I, I would almost think you'd trust a, a Brooke Lopez and a Malcolm Brogdon and a Chris Middleton a little bit more than I would trust mm. even some of the guys that have been around longer uh, on the Raptors' side of things. You know, Lopez' ability. But Lopez looked like a seven-foot Clay Thompson on a couple of those three-pointers <laughs> last night. Just how comfortable he was, you know, catching it and shooting it, uh, you know, even in some of the bigger moments of the game. So, uh, you know, Eric Bledsoe is somebody that, you know, has been up and down. But 
he's had some bigger games against the Warriors from time to time, even when he was, you know, rehabbing from injury and maybe a little heavy and not, you know, it took him a couple of years right. to get back to, to par. So I, I, I think you're right. It, it's, it's very even. And if Kawhi Leonard is healthy enough, and I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent, but if Kawhi Leonard is healthy enough, I'll go back to what I said here at the beginning of this podcast that may be enough because, look, the NBA is all about the stars. So right. if Kawhi is playing at this otherworldly level and he's healthy, that may be enough to, to switch it, let's say, uh, in favor of the Raptors being uh, the tougher matchup. But you're right. They do present a lot of similar problems uh, for this Warriors team. Let me ask you this, J.D., because we hadn't mentioned this guy. And I was watching last night, and I got goosebumps a little bit because it took me back to the series against the Thunder when the Warriors were down 3-1 a few years ago. And I don't find a player like this, obviously, outside of Giannis on the Bucks, and that's Sergi Baca. You know, I, I just picture, you know, him looking at this Warrior team, whatever the five, you know, that was out there on the court with him being out there, I feel like he would get confidence knowing, you know what, I, I could go to work, I could hit the glass, maybe I can even score and block shots, alter shots. I don't know if you think at this juncture I'm giving him too much credit, but would he make your list as, you know, somebody you would be worried about if the Warriors were to play the uh, Raptors? Yeah, I mean, he's somebody that, that's hurt the Warriors in the past, but he's also someone that, that can kind of disappear. I mean, he had more points in Game 4 against Toronto, or against for Toronto against Milwaukee than he had in the first three games of the Eastern Conference Finals combined. So he's, he's one of those guys that, that he'll have a big game and, and maybe even string a couple together, but he also can disappear for two, three, four games consecutively. So I, I think there's some potential there. I mean, I, I look at a guy like Miritich for the Bucks, and, and he's a, a player that's really hurt the Warriors in the past, especially during his time with the Pelicans. So, you know, his ability to stretch the, the floor – I. It just seems like the Bucks have smarter players and more of them once you get beyond Giannis. And that's not a knock on Giannis. I just think when you compare the two, Kawhi is just at a different stage of his career than Giannis is. Giannis is going to be, I think, the best player in the NBA. And, he, and some would say he may already be there, right? Because he's going to win the MVP this year in all likelihood. But, but Giannis is going to be the best player in the NBA here very soon guru and it's probably going to be his reign of terror for two three four five years once he gets to that point I just think as you look at 2019 and the four five six seven games that are left for the Warriors Giannis not quite being ready to be at that level yet uh, it could potentially be a, a difference maker in that series in the Warriors favor even if they have to play that thing without Kevin Durant yeah, I'm with you, and you, you know, it's crazy how sports work, J.D. You know, a lot of people thought the Warriors couldn't get it done, you know, when K.D. went down, and I understand that, rightfully so, and now the team has, you know, a new DNA, and, and, and it's, it's I want to say it's a big deal, it's a seven-foot big deal when you're missing number 35, but now they've reverted back to similar roles that they've had in the past, and J.D., I know they want Kevin Durant back. I was a little down when I heard the news, uh, or surprised yesterday that, um, 
Kevin Durant already with about eight days left leading up to game one that he would be out. So that leads me to believe that the, you know, obviously it, it, the injury is more serious than, than we thought from the beginning. But what I saw from Port- the Warriors against Portland gives me a lot of confidence and also too something that, you know, the players haven't said, JD, but I'm kind of like, I know they feel it in their gut and their core is, you know, hey, all we can do is go out there and execute, and and I know you you know they're probably saying we're they, they doubt us. It's us against the world, and we've seen teams in all sports kind of come together and climb that hill and accomplish you know a common goal when when that's the the theme. So I don't know what Durant Durant's future holds in the finals, but we do know this as I talk to you you know, he'll be out game one. And that could be the game that could, you know, swing the series. I know that may be, you know, you know, overzealous in that statement, but that's how I feel. But the Warriors have an identity without him, and I'm eager to see who the opponent is and, and what they do and how they come out in game one, J.D., because I want to ask you this. Is there any trepidation on your part, the fact that they're going to not have Kevin Durant and then have to incorporate Kevin Durant. I just think, you know, no matter who it is and what what player it is, you know, there's a readjustment period in that. And I'm wondering, you know, is the finals the stage for that and how that can be an advantage? Yeah, there's going to be a readjustment period should he come back. And it's a readjustment period that I think if you're the Warriors, as talented as you are, as much as the pieces do fit together and the skill sets fit together – I do think it's a it's a problem you'd rather sort through this week as opposed to having to sort through it next week or or the week let's say in between game 1 and game 3 there's you know game 1 is next Thursday game 3 isn't until the following Wednesday. Obviously, you've got a couple of days between 1 and 2 and then a couple of more days between 2 and 3. So you you'd rather figure those problems out if they are going to be problems reacclimating Durant back into this scheme of things you'd rather figure it out this week than figure it out in the midst of a of a series but there's a lot of different scenarios in play and 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 yeah I do think it was a a disappointment although Steve Kerr tried to to quash that yesterday by essentially saying hey we knew that that you know he wasn't as close as maybe it was being reported that he was uh you know that that you know, he hadn't been on the court yet. I think there was some belief and hope that he was going to be back on the court as soon as yesterday uh, when the Warriors resumed practice following the conference finals and that he would start the ramp up. Well, the reality is, well, Steve Kerr said he might be able to get back on the court between now and, and let's say next Wednesday when he's reevaluated. That's only going to be the start of the process. So to your point, he is out uh, for game one and in all likelihood, probably a game two. I mean, it's it's almost set your sights on game three, and it and it starts to set up this scenario where, you know, where is the series going to be? Because you could go a couple of different ways with this thing, right? You could have the Warriors go into Toronto or Milwaukee. Can't count the Bucks out just yet. And what if they win a game one just based on experience? All the pressure at that point if the Warriors win a game one goes to that home team in game two, the Bucks or the Raptors. And, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, these series are fragile. 
Nobody thought that the Warriors were going to sweep the Blazers, but all of a sudden you get in a finals and you win game one on your experience. The pressure mounts on a team that hasn't been there before in game two, and then you wind up maybe taking a 2 nothing lead back to Oakland, and, and you're looking at, at, at what could be a, a, a sweep and a, and a party for Oakland as they close down Oracle. These series are very fragile. Mm. Uh, but then you also have the scenario, Goo, where – Maybe the Warriors struggle, and, and Kevin Durant rides in on his white horse for a Game 3 in a, in a 1-1 series, or maybe the Warriors go down 0-2, and, and he's got to be the, the Finals MVP that they've had the last couple of years to help him get over the top. I think both of those scenarios, as wide-ranging as they are, are in play here. Yeah, you are right, and... You know, both of them that you mentioned to me, J.D., are, you know, something out of a, you know, a movie, storybook endings, you know, either good or bad. But I wonder, and I want to ask you this, how much pressure do you feel is on Steve Kerr and the coaching staff? Because as we talk about Kevin Durant, we can't forget about Boogie Cousins. And they're talking about, you know, he's practicing three on three. And again, I'll just kind of, not to be redundant, ask you the same question. Do you think Boogie Cousins is at a juncture to where he knows, okay, hey, you know, these are our last seven games or four games. You know, I don't want to be that big personality in the room. Not that he has, but I'm sure, you know, if he's ready to go, he's going to want to start. I guess, J.D., I feel like Steve Kerr has so much on his plate as to what's better for the team as opposed to the individual. And do you think the individual being Boogie Cousins, if, you know, Kerr were to have a conversation and say, hey, you know, big fella, we need you to come off the bench, would he take that the right way? But from everything I've gathered and heard from DeMarcus Cousins, because I didn't even think he would have a shot to play. I, I thought basketball activities for him were over um, this season. Do you? Do, how much of a deal do you think that is? And I wouldn't dare use distraction. How much of a big deal do you think that is for Steve Kerr and Boogie's mindset in regard to if he's ready to go, his role? Yeah, I, I, I want to get your take on this too, Goo, but I, I, I actually think DeMarcus Cousins is a, is it's not a factor. I, I think because he hasn't been – uh, around and, and in the lineup, I think, and because of the nature of him signing the one-year contract and 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 kind of knowing what he's been in for and, and watching this team play and, and be successful. I mean, he called it inspiring yesterday just to be around watching the things that Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and the other players on this team have been able to do without him and without Kevin Durant. I, I think DeMarcus Cousins, it's at a point in the year where it's so late in the year that he's just about contributing any little small way he can. So I actually think there's far less pressure on getting DeMarcus Cousins back into the fold than there is with, let's say, getting Kevin Durant back into the fold should Kevin Durant become ready to play, let's say, by a game two or a game three or, or a game four or five in an NBA final series. I think Cousins at this point understands the fact that he's essentially a role player on this team for this series. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not going to start. Uh, I, I think a lot of that will depend on on matchups, and a lot of that will depend on where he's at uh, in the next week. But, yeah, he's it, it's clear-cut now because he's on the court. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins is – 
he's farther along than right. Kevin Durant. DeMarcus Cousins is closer to a return than Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Durant is spoken of as if he is out for the first two games of this finals. DeMarcus Cousins is spoken of as is it's likely that he's going to be available to play in game one of the finals in, in some role. So whether it's it's Bell or Looney or Bogut or DeMarcus Cousins, Draymond Green, whoever uh, Steve Kerr decides to start, I think he knows that he's got a motivated DeMarcus Cousins that's going to be a lot more comfortable playing, let's say, 12 to 18 minutes to try and win a ring than he would be uh, if this was, let's say, January and February again, and, and he was trying to, you know, assert his lot, uh, you know, uh, with this team and assert his lot with, uh, you know, where he stands in the NBA trying to get a contract. I, I think Cousins is not going to be a problem at all, but I, I want to get your take on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I'm hoping, and you know, you make great points. And I'm just, as I'm speaking to you, JD, I'm visualizing Draymond Green bringing the ball up court like Magic Johnson. If there is no Durant, and in Game One there is no Durant, and I'm just wondering, you know, if if Cousins is out there, and they've played together, and we've seen this. So I'm not saying he would be in the way, but I guess I'm asking you if he's with that second team and Dre's out there, do, do you think that would slow down the offense, or is that an obvious question I shouldn't even ask you, J.D.? I guess, you know, how much attention and how much does he want the ball, and if you kind of play the old school basketball to where he's on the block, you know, does that help the Bucks or Toronto to where the Warriors not become one-dimensional, but, okay, Cousins is out here. We know they're going to feed him and, and try to play through him. So to answer your question, you know, until I see it, I do become a little, you know, apprehensive in regard to, you know, if, if that could be the best way the Warriors could play. Well, they, they can't play it that way. And I think if they learned anything from the regular season, they know they can't play it that way now because you know this the force-feeding stuff doesn't work, whether it's force-feeding it to Durant, whether it's force-feeding it to Cousins, especially Cousins. That doesn't work. That left them vulnerable. If, if anything, they were a more effective team when they were running Cousins at the high post and using him as a passer, using him as a driver, using him as somebody that – you know, maybe could could put a fake on somebody and and drive a little bit and kick it out. You know, you yes, using him in the post when there's a distinct advantage, but doing it more in the context of the offense rather than saying they're going to run five down and and go get on the block, big fella, and put your butt into somebody and and get position. I, I think you know those types of plays and those types of advantages they they present themselves if you're running proper offense. And I think when DeMarcus Cousins was most successful with the Warriors, it wasn't because they were just saying, all right, we're going to run five down. It was because they were they were putting him in different positions on the floor and they were just as best as they can with him out there. We're just playing you know, his game. And I think he can be a, a force in this series, Goo, actually in a limited role okay. regardless of who they play. I think he can be a four. Like he's one of those guys where he'll be out there, and you almost—if you almost get him in a spot where you forget he's out there—then he can just kill you. Whether it's on the offensive boards, whether it's uh, you know knocking down a couple of three pointers. The, the the reality is the Warriors are so talented and they're so locked in right now, even without Durant, with Curry and Draymond and Clay Thompson and that core Iguodala. The Warriors are so locked in, Goo, that. 
if you almost forget about Cousins, I think that's when he can punish you the most and and can be a factor in this series, uh, you know, just at times when you least expect it. You know, that that's how I think he can put his imprint on this series more than more than anything as just another bit of depth to go with Kevon Looney, to go with Jordan Bell, to, to go with Andrew Bogut. I think it will be a, a we're kind of getting back to the days of the four or five, you know, six headed center monster that the Warriors gotcha. uh, could, could, could throw out there. And for one series with the Warriors so close to the ultimate goal, I, I think that that actually works. If we were in December and January and Cousins was coming back and wanted to play 40, 50 games, then I think we'd be uh, we'd be having a, a little bit of a different conversation. Yeah, you've kind of got me excited. And, and forget me being excited, J.D., I'm thinking of the Warriors staff now because you mentioned depth, and that and that's very big. And you talk about Bogut, who hasn't you know played a lot of minutes. So against either one of these teams, both of them are long. So, you know, because they're not going to run Cousins out there if they don't feel like he can help. You are right. So I'm eager to see that. But I will say this, J.D., last thing about Cousins, what about the conditioning? Because I know game the conditioning for DeMarcus Cousins, if he's ready to go game one, will be better than game three. So is it just survival of the fittest? And they'll know, you know, as the game's playing, what they're getting from him and what he's capable of. Because I do remember when he, when he came back the first time, and, you know, it took a little while for him to get his legs back so I don't want to sound just ultra negative but you do have me excited but the wind and condition is 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 the one thing that I'll hold on to that has me you know a little nervous short bursts short bursts. I like it I like it you know you you could play them in, in short little bursts I, again I I don't know if they start them or not I mean both the, the Raptors and the, the Bucks have been starting uh, traditional bigs in terms of size, although Brooke Lopez I don't think ever you know gets beyond about the free, free throw line. He plays from three-point line to free throw line typically unless he's on a drive. And uh, the Raptors have been starting uh, Mark Gasol as well and, and bringing Ibaka uh, off the bench. So we'll, we'll see how, how each team plays it. Uh, Gasol more of the the traditional matchup at this point and somebody that I think Cousins can hang with. Lopez could be a little bit difficult if they park him out on the three-point line and just have him, you know, cast off from there. It remains to be seen who's going to win that series obviously, although it does look like the Raptors going home up 3-2 are now uh, in control of that one. Uh, this is the Warriors Weekly Podcast. John Dickinson, Daryl the Guru Johnson. 95-7 the game as uh, we break down the matchups between uh, a Warriors-Bucks matchup, a Warriors-Raptors matchup. Uh, how will Kevin Durant get integrated into things? How will DeMarcus Cousins get into things? Uh, I want to go through the all-NBA teams and the all-defensive teams uh, with you, Guru. Uh, but I, I want to put the rat on the table, Let's as you like it. to say. <laughs> Can the Warriors win the NBA championship if Kevin Durant does not play a single minute of the NBA Finals? And does that question or the answer to that question differ depending upon who the who the opponent is? No, and that's a great question. J.D., if you asked me this question or posed it to me two weeks ago, I would have said definitely they cannot. But watching Milwaukee and Toronto – 
you know, they've yet to get to this stage. It's new to both teams. And I saw quarters and minutes to where, you know, guys get tight. So to answer your question, my friend, I do believe the Golden State Warriors, uh, if they didn't have Kevin Durant, can still win the title. All right. Rats on the table right there. Like you it. said it. Yep. You think they're Check. winning it regardless. And is this going to be the year, Goo? Because we're going to have one more of these between now and, and, the, and the start once the opponent's actually known. But uh, is this the year Curry gets his MVP? There's no doubt, J.D., and I know Draymond's been playing phenomenal. And I even told our guy, Matt Steinmetz, this, that, I, you know, I have no idea, no catalog or guide on how they vote. But everybody is coming into this final series knowing that the great Joe Montana or Tom Brady, however you look at it, Steph Curry, you know the narrative is the fact that he doesn't have one of these awards. So I feel like if it were a horse race he's got a head start so if he is even remotely close and dynamic that he he normally is he'll get that they'll give it to him and right now as, as he goes and Dre goes the Warriors go but I think Steph Curry is so so motivated for the team win and the three-peat but he'll never say this and this is another rat on the table I'll say it for him JD he is he's yearning for an opportunity now to get that that MVP award and the fact that Durant if he doesn't come back is kind of out of the way watch out Steph Curry I, I don't want to I, I could just see a a single game you know record for three-pointers in a final game I'm talking about things like that because they're in a good place not physically JD that also but mentally I feel like they know they can do this regardless who the foe is all right Goo, let's get into the the all NBA well, we have the to. first team second team oh. third team announced and and I'm looking at well it doesn't surprise me I'm just looking at the first team it's Stephen Curry he makes the all NBA first team along with James Harden, along with Giannis Antetokounmpo, along with Nikola Jokic of the Nuggets. I got no issues with any of these selections at this point. And then you got Paul George. Paul George, all-NBA first team over Kevin Durant. Mm. Paul George had an incredible season he, when he wanted to, when he was healthy. Uh I have a hard time putting Paul George on the first team over Kevin Durant, given the season that Kevin Durant had. And that's acknowledging that Paul George had a hell of a season. I almost think the voters were trying to give Paul George a little bit of a nod, knowing that it was a career year that probably could never be duplicated for him again. So they wanted to you know, give him that, that, that nod of being first team, but... I mean, come on, Kevin Durant had a better year than Paul George, didn't he? J.D., and you know I'm a big fan of uh, Paul George's work, but this is wrong. You are more than me, I'll tell you that. I think he kind of disappeared. No, I was just going to – and he did this season towards the the latter end of the season, but it doesn't matter. It still counts. But to tell me and the fans out there that he's first team over Kevin Durant, I got to tell you, no Homer Homer thing going on here, J.D., that was blatantly wrong. the, The voters got that wrong. Paul George, second or third team, I get it and deserving. But if you're going to tell me – 
over Kevin Durant, who arguably, you know, went on a run here in the playoffs to where we all thought that, you know, this was his league. And and if you took 10 people's vote, maybe eight of them said if they were starting a team, it would be with him. They got that wrong. And, you know, congratulations to Paul George. But I just think there needs to be a review of this voting system to where Kevin Durant can be left off and Paul George be the one that to get that slot. I'm just looking at that first team again, and I'm thinking, okay, Curry, Harden, makes sense, Giannis. If you're telling me it's Curry, Harden, Giannis, okay. Durant, and Jokic. I'm, I'm, we're good. I, I'm telling you, you got it right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, well, I'm, 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 I'm telling you, I'm, you got it right. I'm with you, J.D. You got it right. Wow. And, and, you know, maybe if, if Embiid had played more games, maybe there's a case to be made for Embiid, but but the injuries and, and him missing some time there, that puts him down on the second team. I'm with you, Paul George, as a, as a second teamer, you know, this year with, with Kawhi uh, and, and, you know, Damian Lillard, I thought, was a second team All-NBA guard this year, and, and he got that nod. Uh, Kyrie Irving, I'm not so sure about Kyrie Irving, uh, being I'm all with NBA you. second team. I'm with you. Year. I think that was kind of more of reputation. And if we were to sit Kyrie down and you look at, you know, how Boston's season ended, obviously I'm including the playoffs, J.D., I think his season was kind of lukewarm for his standards. And, you know, I know it doesn't matter about, you know, being a leader and the effect you have on on a young team like we thought he was going to do and the Celtics were – they had expectations and they didn't meet them. And I was surprised to see Kyrie Irving there. Russell Westbrook, another surprise. Oh, and and wow. Kem- Kemba Walker to me wasn't a surprise, although Goo, I mean, I was out at practice and and I was right there uh, when our guy Anthony Slater was was running down the, the first, second, and third teams as everybody was gathered around Clay Thompson. And, and, and he had asked him, you know, just his reaction. And, and, and Clay was genuinely excited. Like, oh, they came out. And I think Clay Thompson really thought in that moment Man. that he was on the team. And he was going to be told that he was on the team. As funny as that sounds, you would think he probably would have been told by his agent or his pops or somebody like that maybe before practice. But the timing of it. I saw you filming it, it, J.D. Yeah, the timing of it would make it where maybe that wouldn't be the case with with, with the time that the Warriors get uh, on the practice court. But the, the the two that got. Clay Thompson and the one that really got him was Kemba Walker. When when he when he was told Kemba Walker made it, Kyrie Irving made it second team, Russell Westbrook made it. I mean, the eye roll said it all, right? Right. I mean, you you could not fake uh, how he was feeling at that particular point in time. I got to be honest. I think Kemba Walker was more deserving this year than. Kyrie Irving or even that, Russell Westbrook. That, that man's JD, you're on fire, and I totally agree with you. And to see Clay Thompson, JD, I thought it was a joke. I thought like he already knew, and that was his reaction was, you know, just kind of, you know, do plan for the cameras and forget the financial aspect of it because it was a killer in that sense. But I know Clay, it's about pride too. And they gotta fix this because I don't like that voters can control, you know, the payouts for some and the thresholds that they can reach. But the fact that Russell Westbrook made it, I I just thought he had a down year. He was terrible from the field, J.D. Um, 
Sometimes he looked like he was out of shape. I talked about it with you, as crazy as that sounds. And Kyrie Irving, they're both in that bucket. Kimba Walker, to me, earned that. So I'm not blown away. I'm not appalled by the selection of Kimba Walker. But Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving over Klay Thompson – and, you know, Clay Thompson being one of the top, two, what do we say now, the two-way players, J.D., it was it was really a joke to me. And I don't know if Clay Thompson will take it out in the playoffs. You know, in, 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 he doesn't even need that to fuel him. But, J.D., I really felt what you saw, what you recorded, a guy from a professional standpoint that was insulted. Yeah, and and I think you look at it's it's reputation for Kyrie. I think Kemba deserves to be there, and then it's reputation for a guy like uh, Russell Westbrook. You know, I I think you could make a case that that I think you could actually believe it or not make a case that Kemba Walker deserved to be on the second team. I'm with this you. year. I'm not just agreeing with you, JD. I'm if, with you. If you said Kemba and Lillard were the second team, like to me, Lillard was a no brainer second teamer this year. He was phenomenal. Uh, throughout the course of this season. I know he was injured and he faded a little bit in the conference finals, but but again, this is a regular season deal. And, and I thought Kemba was, was terrific. So I actually think you could make a case for Kemba Walker on the second team. Then you drop Kyrie Irving down into a conversation uh, with Russell Westbrook and, and Clay Thompson as well for a third team nod. And I think maybe that's where Clay uh, has a beef. Uh, the final thing here, Goo, before we let you go, uh, just the, the all defensive teams. Uh, Draymond Green. Uh, I know there was a little bit of, of confusion. Draymond Green was asked about Clay Thompson, and here's where I think Clay really got snubbed: is on the all defensive team. You've got Draymond and you've got Clay making the second team, and it's the first time Clay Thompson's made the first or the second team. You've got Draymond, who's been uh, either on the first or the second team now. I think five straight years. Uh, just terrific. Uh, I think Draymond had it right when he said and was asked, you know, what what did you think about Clay making the all defensive team? And he goes, well, it should have been first team. Should have been first team. And he was talking about Clay, not talking about himself. I know there was some confusion. Some people thought he was talking about himself, but no, he was talking about Clay uh, deserving to get that nod. And and I actually think Clay was more snubbed for the first team all defense than he even was for the all NBA team. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, just real quick on Draymond, he he lost 23 pounds towards the latter part of the season, and he turned it on, and there's not a defender I'd want on my team in the association over Draymond Green right now. But I can see how he did make first team because he'll tell you he didn't have the best season defensively. But Clay Thompson, I don't know. He's up there with Paul George for me when you talk about all NBA defense and the fact that Eric Bledsoe, they didn't even go by position, if I'm correct, J.D. The fact Eric Bledsoe got the first team, that blew me away. And again, I'm going to say this from a Clay Thompson standpoint. I don't know if it's Curry, um, Durant. He's getting lost. He's getting lost, and it's nobody's fault, J.D., except the media, because I don't care if it's warrior overload. Somewhere along the lines, there's so much discussion of this warrior dynasty, and, and Clay's a part of that, but I'm just – he's not getting the, the – you know, his propers, as, they, as the kids say or used to say, J.D., and at some point it's got to bother him and get to him because it's bothering me. He loses the money on the all-NBA team – 
and then okay, you can't even and he doesn't he shouldn't need a scholarship, but you can't even make it up to him on something. I could say he deserves more, and that's all the NBA defensive team to make the second team. I think is hogwash. Yeah, well, and you and you look at these teams, and I, I mean, I think you could make a case, and I know that the, kind of the joke yesterday, Goo, as we wrap things up, was was just the fact that. You look at it, and the second team might be a better defensive team than the first team. Right, that's, and just, right. That's fundamentally wrong. If we can, and a lot of people are saying that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got Kawhi on that team. I mean, I, I mean, look, Kawhi and Giannis, you can't go wrong really with either guy there. Paul George, again, as much as I'm not a fan of his, I think he's a little bit overrated. Okay, Paul George had a terrific year. This year, I, I think he is deserving to be on the All NBA teams. I do think he's deserving to be on a on an All Defensive team. Uh, you know, Marcus Smart, Eric Bledsoe. You know, it's funny. I know you're getting ready to do the show with Steiny, and I'm going to have Steiny on on Warriors this week on on Saturday. And you know, I, I hit Steiny with the, the 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 first teamers, the names, right? And and Eric Bledsoe's on there, and he goes. Eric Bledsoe. He wow. goes. I had no idea Eric Bledsoe was a good defender. Wow, it's it's incredible because he, <laughs> he doesn't blow you away when you're watching him. Yep. At least you know at least at least over the long haul of, of a of a regular season. But regardless, I think Clay Thompson uh, and, and Draymond Green they are close enough. And I thought Clay had the line of the day as we we kind of wrap it up. You know, he was asked essentially what. What helps him get over maybe being snubbed from the all-NBA team, maybe being not all-NBA first-team defense, being second-team? What, what kind of gets him through it? What, what helps him through it? And he had a very simple answer. Rings. Rings. And that's who and, Clay and Thompson I, is. What a that, great yeah, answer, J.D. That, and that's who Draymond Green is. And that's where this Warriors team now, all of that other stuff becomes fodder, and it can bug him, and it clearly bugged Clay Thompson. But this team now four wins away from the three-peat, four wins away from four championships in five years. And, and I'll put it this way, for a guy like Curry and a guy like Clay and a guy like Durant, or I'm sorry, a guy like Draymond, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set Durant aside on this one because – he, he came a couple of years later. But for Curry and Clay and Draymond, for them to be, I mean, they're, they're embarking on a whole different level here if they can get this fourth championship. I mean, we're talking about those three guys having more rings than, than LeBron James. Well, I love it. You know, no and, doubt. More rings than Larry Bird uh, and, and, and those great Celtics teams. So uh, I think you start talking about legacies and, and stacking rings together, uh, that core three, uh, in terms of the the All Star caliber players during this run, they they are four wins away from I think another level of historical significance. Goo, I appreciate the time, man. I I, I just ran this thing so long. Oh no, had a I, I had a great time, Jay. I want to ask you this before you let me go. I know you got to go. You, you got it. You the got only it. dumb question is the one you don't ask from a city standpoint because I know you're traveling wherever the Warriors go. <laughs> Is this a? I'll let you answer. Milwaukee or Toronto? <laughs> you know <laughs> From what? From a city you know standpoint, I'm a, well, it's it's probably Toronto. Okay. I mean, Toronto's a, a, a Toronto is a a all world. Oh, you've been there big, then, big time. Well, no, I haven't been oh, to okay. either spot. I haven't been to either spot. But 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 Toronto is viewed as you know, Toronto is like a New York, like a Chicago, like a Boston, like a. You know, Toronto is viewed as a just a you know when you talk about big cities in the world, 
Toronto is up there, I think, on that list as far as just worldly cities. You know, Tokyo, you know, those are the, you know, it's, it's like Toronto, I think, is on that short list or maybe that top 10 of just cities in the world. You know what I mean? See, you know, a list where San Francisco might not even make it, right? Because you're going, you're going all over the place. But so, yeah, Toronto's exciting, but Milwaukee, you know, I don't. I think every city has something to offer, and I think Milwaukee would would be a little different. You know, I know a lot of people get on Cleveland and oh, Cleveland this, Cleveland that, Cleveland, you know. But but I had a good time in Cleveland. You, you can have a good time anywhere, right? Dude. I and, got and to let me tell you, I'll have a good I'll have a good time regardless of where it uh, where it winds up, and it, it looks like it's going to be Toronto at this point. Uh, although I will say the, the logistics of getting to Toronto. Passports are, are, and everything, huh? Yeah, it's a little. My papers are in order, but it's it's a little trickier and maybe a little harder on the company, if you know what I'm saying. To I get totally to, get it, JD. To, to get to Toronto uh, as opposed to Milwaukee, Goo man, I really appreciate. Travel it. safe, uh, my friend, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good, Goo. Uh, for Daryl the Guru Johnson, I'm John Dickinson. Extended version of our Warriors Weekly Podcast uh, here for 95.7 The Game. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.